Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. Welcome, I'm Bishop Daly of the Diocese of Spokane, and I am uh, very honored to have present today our Director of the Office of Evangelization, uh, Brian Kraut. Brian, welcome. Thank you, Bishop. Brian's uh, been in the diocese working for us for seven years, and he has a rich experience that comes from youth work, but also adult education and this broader broader topic of evangelization. But first, uh, for our listening audience who may not have had a chance to meet you, um, Brian, tell us a little about where you're from, uh, how you got involved in ministry in the church, um, your family, and um, uh, your experience so far. Yeah. Bishop. Born and raised in the church, uh, blessed to have a mom who served as a director of religious education in a parish. But that experience as a young person helping her, it, it's from a time frame when you loaded film strips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but how much and how far we've come to, to recognize that there is this dynamic experience that Christ wants to encounter us. And for me, that transformation really happened in high school, where I had a profound experience with a youth minister who not only was, I think, so often that era through the 80s and 90s where youth ministry was just fun and games, he was invested into making sure that we had an invitation to have an encounter with Christ mm-hmm. and was invested in us in such a way that he was more concerned about what our prayer life was like and how we were reading Scripture and how we were encountering the, encountering the sacraments. So was blessed with a really rich and fortunate opportunity in high school to, to be formed. And it was in that place where that discernment of vocation started to occur. You know, that discernment to be married uh, was was that first place of discernment, but but that yearning to serve the church, even as a layman, never left. Mm-hmm. So I, I sought a degree in education, but my heart was was not really to be a teacher. It was, it was to serve actively our young people in that capacity of youth ministry. And so I, I then went on to, to work in a parish for 21 years, serving as the director of youth ministry in a parish. But in the midst of that, quickly realized as I went from being 20 to 30 into my 40s that the, the real ministry was with moms and dads. Mm-hmm. What do you see, um, first of all, when we use the term evangelization, for our listening audience, um, evangelization probably is late in the vocabulary of the average Catholic. So if someone was educated in Catholic schools, even in the, I'd say, 70s, uh, late 70s, we didn't use the term evangelization much. But what, what for our audience would you want them to understand is evangelization and, of course, uh, how they might share in it before we kind of talk about um what you are seeing now and what you're doing in the Diocese of Spokane. So what is evangelization? You know, evangelization, I think you can come back to just that that story of encounter of Jesus with his uh, apostles uh, in the end of Matthew's gospel, where he commissioned them to go into the world and to, to announce the good news. Mm-hmm. And it is the good news of Jesus Christ, and it's our responsibility to be ones who proclaim that good news uh, to others. That, that idea of kerygma. Mm-hmm. John, John Paul II said it so well. It's The kerygma is that initial ardent pro- proclamation by which a person is one day overwhelmed and is brought to the decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ by faith. Evangelization at the heart is to create opportunities where people can be overwhelmed by that presence and by that love of Christ that brings transformation. Is it more difficult today than... Um... 20 years ago uh, to speak about evangelization to our young people and their families? I I think what's shifted is 
20, 20 years ago, evangelization was as simple as printing, printing a flyer and young people came. Mm-hmm. Engagement was simple. Today, it is, uh, seems like it's a much greater risk maybe to, to reach out to some of those families because a lot of them, to be honest, Bishop, they're, they're not present with us. Mm-hmm. And this is pre, pre-COVID, right? Pre-COVID yeah. even. And how then, um, one of the things I've talked about is uh, with Catholic schools that when you have students in front of you six hours a day, regardless of the faith practice at home, and then the parents are connected. There is somewhat of an investment, but yet evangelization takes place. What though about, what do you see uh, as, as you said, it's not just about a flyer anymore, but in in today's family uh, with social media distractions, and again, we're talking pre-COVID, um, what, what do you think is the greatest challenge there present to the faith? Um, is it time? Is it the technology? It is it secularism? Uh, you, when you spoke about parents and the role they play in evangelization, what do you see? Bishop, I would say it's a combination of all of those. We, mm-hmm. we live in a culture that, that people gravitate towards comfort and to pleasure. And, and the idea of choosing Christ, which is an all or nothing choice, that, that's the challenge. There's too many allures that say, I might have to give something up. Mm-hmm. And, and we have so many other ideologies that is competing with that that Christ is inviting to us to, which is wholeness in Him. Mm-hmm. What um, when someone is willing to get involved in the church? And I know that you know when I've celebrated masses for the CYC and, and the Steubenville Conference in the summer. Um, what have you seen in in the involved young people today? What is it that motivates them to be active in the midst of the technology explosion, the social media, the secularization, the time is valuable. What, what, what are some qualities that you see? Um, I, th- I think there's two ideas. Oftentimes there are caring adults who are invested in a way that are inviting. So there's a relational investment that the church has given through those that are serving in youth ministry, Bishop. Mm-hmm. But secondly, they, they've created settings and situations where those individuals are bringing young people to places where they can experience the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. Like, like in adoration, Mm -hmm. you know, young people who attend CYC or the Steubenville conferences or any events, like the things that they come away talking about are usually two things most profoundly. One is always adoration Mm -hmm. because they've experienced quiet and silence from the noisy world that they live in. And two is often a return to the sacrament of reconciliation where they're receiving restoration and freedom from the oppression that the world has heaped upon them because of guilt attributed to the sin that's in our lives. You know, uh, it's funny that, uh, not funny, it's, it's, it's actually providential that, Brian, you mentioned that because from my time here in the Diocese of Spokane, um, celebrating the mass uh, i know my one time my nephew came up from california and he had not seen this um uh, the mass at uh, the arena uh was it the arena or the convention center? the convention center so, and how many a couple thousand maybe yeah usually about 1400 1400 came in we had a mass and um you know and that a faith-filled young people um who as you said not all saints and they're coming present but the reports of the quiet and the grace and the power of adoration. Um, for the generations that weren't plagued by the explosion of social media, where 
when you went out, uh, that meant uh, you set up a time frame to come home. And if you had to use a phone, as you know, you use a pay phone. Um, it's created this false sense of perhaps security. And, um, and yet when you, we give them a quiet time in the Eucharistic adoration, I believe today they have overwhelming experience of grace that two and three generations didn't need. We always need the grace of adoration, but God has, has given them something that they are, they are attracted to, and I've seen that. And of course, as you said, reconciliation, to be told that we were forgiven uh, is something that brings about healing. And young people, young adults are struggling with many issues uh, in um, pornography, in um, a sense of isolation, of uh, feeling no purpose in their life, and to be told that they are healed and forgiven the sacrament. Uh, those areas I would agree with, and my experience is certainly not as, as, as vast as yours. What do you, um, what continues to be in your work, in your ministry of evangelization, what do you see as the obstacles that still we have to navigate through or find a way outside of these very profound experiences of adoration and reconciliation? Maybe it's the same as you find in that, that discourse that Jesus is included in in that Great Commission. What precedes that is that they, they went to Galilee as they were instructed, and as Jesus arrived, they worshiped him, but they still had doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think that that idea of doubt and fear that we as Catholics and as parishioners that we don't know enough and we won't say the right things and we can't be a representation of Christ's love appropriately, I think that sometimes limits the work. And maybe it's the understanding of our roles. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as a baptized Catholic, do I understand that my role is to be a part of this work that is the identity of the church, that to, to share the charisma, to share and evangelize, what, um, you know, when you mentioned the, about uh, that significant youth minister who impacted you um, and I'm sure your peers when you were in school joining that youth group, um, I've often quoted that study done by St. Mary's Press in Winona of Going, Going, Gone about why uh, young people leave the church, leave the faith. And what is the common denominator, again, is there's not someone who models faithfulship, faithful service to the church, more especially someone who doesn't model having to commit yourself, even though you struggle to believe, you doubt as the apostles did, um, you do question suffering in life, but you join it to the cross. So young people who don't have an adult model for them what it is to be committed, even with struggle and difficulty. And the second is some group of peers who are seeking the Lord with a sincere heart. Um, those, I think, two things, um, when, when they're present, we're drawn to the Lord. But you, would you agree that that, um, that adult mm. mentor or someone close and respected by a young person, as well as at least a couple of peers, still play a significant uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's that, it is definitely that idea of community, Bishop, but mm -hmm. it's to be welcomed and to have someone really inviting that mm -hmm. invitational sense that was given for me by that youth minister was transformative. Mm 
But at the same time, I was also blessed. I know I alluded earlier to the gift of parents mm-hmm. and, and the role that parents play, you know, and, and that too, as, as I was experiencing a transformation in my faith life, both my mom and dad grew up, you know, cradle Catholics, but they too were having their faith just begin to come to life. You know, it's, it was pretty awesome to watch what God was doing in my home as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's on the Bishop's retreat, um, we had Father Richard Gabuzda from the uh, IPF, which is the Program for Priestly Formation in Omaha. And he spoke about how many people struggle to believe that God loves them. He, he spoke about being the loved sinner. And he said, anytime you take one without the other, it's incomplete. Uh, yes, we have to admit sin, but we we begin with that premise of being loved. And he second thing, he says, the amount of people who still struggle to trust God, that God has their best interest uh, at heart. Um, we're gonna take a break now. When we come back, I'm gonna ask uh, Brian to speak a little bit about maybe some young people he's met uh, in his experience, even especially here in our diocese, who um, without being fanatics, just know of God's love and, and, and can, help and share in that with with their peers. Welcome back. I'm Bishop Daly, the Diocese of Spokane, and I'm uh, very happy to be interviewing uh, Brian Kraut, who is the Director of the Office of Evangelization for our Diocese of uh, Spokane. Before the uh, break, I asked uh, Brian to uh, think back of his experience just in our diocese of Spokane of perhaps some young adults or young people that that he's worked with, he's met, uh, who seem to have that gift of a stronger faith, who know their love sinners and trust in God. Um, The power of that witness, that example to young people. Any uh, individuals come to mind, Brian? Let me, let me look at maybe two different sure. groups of individuals that, that I've worked with. You know, one is maybe those that are stepping up in those leadership ways. Mm-hmm. You know, every year in conjunction with CYC, we do a CYC leadership team. You know, and, and last year we had a group of seniors who stepped forward, about five of them, and all of them in love with their faith, well-versed in per se apologetics, yet this eagerness for them to share their faith with their peers. Um, as we retreated with them, I think the piece that was so amazing and evident is that they had had transformative experiences within youth ministry, yet at the same time, they were growing in these disciplines of prayer, of frequent reception of the sacraments, and were, were growing in just an understanding of who Jesus was through the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And when they were given the opportunity, I think as many 18-year-olds, you know, it's just like, hey, it's all about me. When it came to that time to serve, that's all they wanted to do. It's mm-hmm. just like, what else can I do? And it didn't matter if it was cutting pizza or taking out the trash. They did it with such an impeccable joy that I think we have to continue to realize as we give young people opportunities, they are not the church of tomorrow. They're our church today that can teach us so many things. Mm-hmm. You know, So those that are already living in that place uh, of faith, yet I remember a group, it'd be about four years ago from the lower Columbia Basin that came. And I know they came like a lot of teenagers. Hey, I get a chance to be out of town. I can be away from my parents. I'm going to have a good time. And, and, and again, I don't think their intentions were as pure as maybe mom and dad hoped them mm-hmm. to be in coming. Yet when there was opportunity just to be in prayer, Bishop, they, they blew me away when they were challenged. 
we were before the Blessed Sacrament. They were kind of goofing off in the back, and that's where I was at. And I says, hey, guys, is there something I can pray for you? Four of them there. The first one says, Brian, I've never told anyone this, but I have a drug addiction. And they each began to confide of this profound nature of struggle. what was struggle in their life. But they knew there was an answer present in what was being presented through the weekend. And, and I think that's the diversity that we as church get to encounter. Mm -hmm. Those that are truly living, but those that we are meeting right at the doorstep where Christ is just meeting them for the very first time. Yeah, I think... It's interesting when young people do step up. I, I remember uh, it's it's almost 25 years ago uh, where I was uh, appointed a pastor of a couple country churches. And shortly afterwards, um, a parent said to me, uh, well, what are you going to do about confirmation? And um, I remember mentioning that in the senior religion class. And to this day, Pat McGee, Kevin Sanders, and Greg Stewart said, we'll teach for you. And I thought, they didn't have to do it for the Christian service hours to graduate. They were seniors. Um, and I just remember that kind of that generosity of heart that, uh, that uh, was present there. And that's what we hope all of our young people do. But the ones who haven't been taught that at home, when, when there are young people who do that, and the why. They're doing it because it's a faith is calling. Their faith in Christ is calling to something more. Uh, that is very profound. And that has... Uh, we're meant for the Lord. And when those who have stronger faith and who, again, are honest about weakness and, and difficulty, there is a great blessing. And, and it's very reassuring to the older crowd to see the faith matter. Fewer, but again, the mustard seed. What about here in our diocese, though? I, I think, you know, COVID has, we've kind of always been, I've been talking about pre-COVID, but nonetheless, we are still in the effects of it. And yet, so often, your office um, is responsible for producing and directing and planning large gatherings that we haven't been able to do. Tell me, uh, for our listening audience, what do we have in store uh, in our diocese in light of the restrictions placed? Well... First of all, let's go back to just this idea of the year of the Eucharist. Yeah. And we knew with, with the idea of the year of the Eucharist coming, Bishop, it was like we, we started to get excited. Hey, we can do a large gathering around the Eucharist, mm -hmm. and we can do adoration together, and we can celebrate Mass in such a beautiful context. But that was all kind of put on pause. And so it was to become creative. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we did is we, we saw that the year of the Eucharist, hey, we could take the Eucharistic miracle exhibit and make sure it's kind of the COVID proof, because mm -hmm. Hamford of people can go through and see just this beautiful story of Christ revealing himself through these visible miracles and signs. So that's one. But but when we start looking at the big program pieces, you know, we know we had to put some thing on things on pause. You know, so so CYC this this spring, which would normally happen, young people need to see one another in person. You know, they are zoomed out. So we knew we couldn't men's conference though, they're like, we're going to do it no matter what. We're committed. We know we just need to be in presence, but it was to find something that would be adaptable. You know, you can't gather 300 guys in a single location. Mm -hmm. So we knew it's like, well, what can we do? Well, we can have small gatherings at a few parishes and we can do some for those who are still social distancing and have real concerns about COVID, they're able to join us from home. So so the men's conference, which is coming up January 30th, uh, and by the time this airs, it may be passed, but it was designed for the event to be participate in your way. Mm 
So it was still accessible. Now the women's conference though, they are really built around that firsthand hospitality type experience. Mm -hmm. And so they're just praying that maybe by late spring, early summer, that there'll be a window that we can say, Hey, we're going for it now. Mm -hmm. As far as the other big conference that we've been supporting for our youth, Steubenville, they're in full planning stage to, and praying that the conference will happen at the end of July. And we have that uh, here in the diocese. We have that yeah. and has been hosted here in the Diocese of Spokane. Okay. That's great because I know that, um, you know, I have been to three World Youth Days and um, they've taken, of course, that was St. John Paul II's uh, essentially baby, and uh, Pope Benedict Emeritus did it, and of course Pope Francis. But there is a power of being um, together, uh, uh, people of, of the same age group, different, different cultures, but coming together united by one, Jesus Christ. Um, I was just received a, a text yesterday from the doctor in charge of the Medical Bureau on Lourdes, and he sadly said they anticipate another summer, it's when I typically go, um, another summer where Lourdes is essentially said deserted. Um, there people gather in the Eucharistic procession. There is the, the taking of the baths. Um, there's the uh, blessing of the sick. So, so much of that is that communal aspect. And, you know, community gets thrown around a lot. Uh, but, you know, it's we can't ignore that when Jesus sent those first disciples out, they were two by two. We're part of a community, and the community is the church he founded, full of individuals, but hopefully the vast majority placing God and others first. So these conferences are very important. What else do we have in store uh, in, in these COVID times? Over the last 18 months, we've been working in a really unique partnership and relationship. The only diocese currently in the country that is partnered with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students, in, in some parish initiative work mm -hmm. that, that is uh, grown to be a desire for many bishops throughout the United States. It's like, we want to do what Spokane's doing. And it's simply uh, a partnership with Focus where priests are being formed intentionally to help raise up disciples amongst their people so they can be discipling in small face-sharing communities. And in the midst of COVID, you think, oh, how can that work? Well, they, they're still gathering virtually and they're still finding those opportunities to pray and to share faith. And it has uh, grown to be about 150 individuals participating in study. Hmm. What, um, are there um, anything that just we had to really say this just won't work it only works in a large crowd or we've pretty been able to pivot and adapt you know e events of course are, are a large group gathering and there's like you say world youth day and events like that that provide such a beautiful catalyst for faith mm -hmm. um that is something that yes we we've kind of just had to push the pause button Yet at the same time, you know, the, the reality that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and it doesn't matter if we're in the midst of pandemic, we, we can lean on it. And maybe it's been a time of, of, yes, pause on some things, but it's been a great time to refocus and recenter on what it's all about and who it's all about. And to think about why we do the things that we do, not just continue on. <laughs> Uh, Brian is uh, and his wife Susie have five kids yes. and they held's youngest. We we have a teenager and thirteen up to twenty six. Okay, so it's quite the age spread there, and um, you know it's always a challenge. I would imagine as as uh, as your a dad, you know, working for the church, formally working for the church, and 
uh, as soon as you're working in a Catholic school, to uh, to uh, see firsthand uh, what the challenges are. What have you, as a parent, uh, kind of shifting gears? Uh, as a parent, what advice would you give to um, to the parents that are listening uh, as to how they might, um, how you might, anything you can do for your kids to, to, to keep the faith, as we say? Not putting you on a spot here, but... No. Num- number one is your, your vocation to your marriage. Yeah. The, the witness that you have of love for one another is the best testament mm-hmm. to Christ's love for the church. And so to do, to do that, to work at that. And, and yes, there's moments in time, you know, Mitchell is sitting here with us and he has young kids and it's just a blur. Mitchell, all I can assure you is that it changes mm-hmm. uh, as they get older. Um, second is be committed to be in prayer for them, to know that God has entrusted us to be really protectors and providers for her mm-hmm. children. So Susie has been such a good prayer partner in interceding and praying for the well-being and safety of our kids. Sure. And, and lastly, don't be afraid to let Christ be a part of your home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is, you know, through prayer and through those practices, but also through just outreach and service that our door has always been an open door where people come and go all the time and feel welcome. And I think that for our kids, it's not only helped them understand Christ's love for them, but it's also Christ's love for the world. So they're naturally individuals who are able to share their faith with others. Yeah, that, I think that's a, you know, we had a windstorm a couple of weeks ago that knocked trees down. And I think uh, Brian was helping his neighbors with the tree. I think if you live next door to me, like my neighbors, you'd shovel my driveway, I hope with snow, wouldn't you? It would be probably my son, Caleb, who I'd have do that for you, Bishop. Exactly. Well, I'll try to put him in my will. Um, Anyway, we thank you for this opportunity, uh, Brian, to to talk about evangelization. For our listening audience, just know that those words of Jesus go out to all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Those aren't words just for the priests and religious or bishops. Um, Yes, you, you don't go around baptizing people, but the example of the laity to be Christ in the world not in a fanatical way, but in a genuine way that is, is people of truth, of charity, of compassion, the witness. That early church, which was far from perfect, there were struggles, there was disagreements, but they were united in the belief of Jesus Christ. And in this time of such great turmoil, both politically, uh, internationally, even in our church, we stay focused on Christ, on what he taught. And that requires always a sense of humility, Uh, gratitude and when we're humble and grateful we can be generous and generous in sharing our faith so brian thank you very much and i appreciate this and may god bless all of you walking in faith with bishop damon is a production of the catholic diocese of spokane walking in faith is produced and edited by mitchell palmas it can be heard on sacred heart radio Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.